leads to my next question. How has systematic racism, and I, I use that word very clearly because racism is systematic. It's an, it, especially in our governmental systems and all, like it's ingrained inside of it. And so what you've experienced, what I've experienced is a reality of a system. And so how has systematic racism affected you personally over the years in your life? Okay, I'll build a cot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a very good question you've asked. Um, you know, because um, Christina talked about Jesus being the solution to the issue of racism that our world faces. And you've um, given a fantastic illustration of the fact that the Bible actually records instances of racism and not only that in the times that jesus lived there was racism the jews did not want to associate with the gentiles um a part of israel did not want to associate with samaria the samaritans were to be um, ostracized, even at the well in John chapter 4. The Bible says the, the, the disciples were surprised to find that Jesus was talking, first of all, to a woman, and then she happened to be Samaritan. And then we see that in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says there was dissension in the church because the... Um, um, that's the... Greek Christians had been discriminated against and there was an opera in the church and the leaders of the church had to step in. And it's interesting that even today in Christian communities, in our churches, we have discrimination, we have racism. And that is because racism does not end because a person gets saved. As you said, it is systemic. It is ingrained. It is, it's in people's subconscious. So you'll find I have had experiences where I sit in a congregation next to someone who is Caucasian, and then the person gets up and moves away, goes some seats away, and I'm thinking, boy, we're in church. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we're in church. You know, and I've seen that. Uh, my daughter came back home one day from church and she was upset and we asked what was wrong and she said, oh, someone called her a monkey in church and I thought, what? Let me go look for the person and throw him a good punch. Yeah. <laughs> but that was an opportunity to sit her down and say, you know what? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. It is not a function of what someone says you are. It is based on who God says you are. So in the church, you experience racism because people have that natural part of themselves. As you said, racism is a sin issue. It's a function of the unregenerate human nature. It doesn't go just because a person gets saved, because a person meets Jesus. When Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he came out in grave clothes. He was no longer dead, but he was still bound. 
So we have situations and cases in the church where people are saved, but they are still bound by these prejudices. Okay. And that's why the instruction, the admonition of Paul in Romans chapter 8 becomes very important. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what the church needs to do. For as long as we have people who see their beliefs as superior to what the Bible says, the church will continue to experience racism. And it's a good thing that we're confronting the situation by talking about it here. And as someone who has experienced discrimination, as I said before, you know, we came on, that I have learned to process it from the prism, the lens of God's word. I know we are all one. If someone discriminates against me, I forgive them because I know what. Uh, I believe the person is better than that. If they have their minds renewed by the word of God, it's going to be different. It's not always that easy. It's not always that easy, but that has helped me. That has helped me. And the more the church talks about it, I say over and again that it's a leadership issue. Leadership in the home will determine whether the children will subscribe to racism or they will be different. Leadership in the society will determine whether the people will subscribe to racism or they will be different. Leadership in the workplaces, leadership in the church. If the leadership in the church does not subscribe to it, it will show from the pulpit into the pews and from the pews into the society. That's the way to do it. Um, yeah, I would say, I love that. I love everything you just said, but <laughs> I'm just, I'm still processing it. Um, but I would say, like, I think that verse from Romans 8 came to mind, um, you know, too, do not be conformed, be transformed. And I think one of the reasons it is so important for us to see it as a sin issue and not just something that is trendy or something that is, you know, uh, you know, currently having its moment in the media. The reason we need to see it as a sin issue because it requires us to acknowledge it as something that we need to humble ourselves um, and ask God for forgiveness for. It, it requires us to dig deep into our own hearts and admit that this is something that affects all of us, whether or not we intend it to right? Um, it requires humility and it requires forgiveness. It requires grace. It requires mercy. Um, and, and we need to start there, I think. Um, in terms of systemic racism, I mean, um, there are all, I, I think all of us can kind of say there's been moments where people have said things or done things um, unintentionally. Um, there's been moments of overt racism that we've experienced. But um, one thing that I have been coming to terms with over the last few years is how to reconcile my Chineseness with my Christianity because I realized that when I started attending church, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. Um, the church that I went to, the leadership was predominantly Caucasian. The youth group that I attended was predominantly Caucasian. Um, and then I went to Bible college and that was predominantly Caucasian. Everything was seen through this Western lens. Mm -hmm. And I, I here I am, you know, uh, like, you know, late 20s, 
Chinese Christian, Chinese pastor, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even, I'm still kind of figuring out how my Chineseness is reconciled with my Christian Christianness, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring that out. I, I just figured, I just realized that a couple years ago, I, I had no model for what it looked like to be a Chinese Christian woman. I had no model for that, um, and that is something that I'm, you know, I'm working on, and, and I'm, I'm going to. That's part of my walk with God right now. Um, but when you when you don't see it modeled, when you don't see leadership that looks like you on a platform, when you don't have leaders that can speak um, speak with uh, with an understanding of where you're coming from and your cultural perspective, it is really difficult for us to you know. It's difficult for me speaking as a you know second generation Chinese immigrant to to see how the two come together because Christianity to me has always seemed very white. And I just kind of got absorbed into that without thinking. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at now, where I'm realizing all these ways that um, representation matters and, and all these ways that it's it's not just about, you know, look like seeming diverse. It's about actually having diversity. It's about actually having representation. It's about actually including different perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's about actually doing that and not just doing it for show. And I love the fact that both of you are really talking about centering it, centering it inside of your identity in who Jesus is, like not dismissing your cultural reality, but centering it inside or looking at it through the lens of Jesus. And that's why, like, even right now in the situation that that is going on, there is a lot of angst around, well, there's, uh, there's, there's a right to it. There's a right to the violence. There's a right to all these things because of the pain that's been caused over time. I think like when you think of, all right, so if you're not a Christian person, that might be justifiable. But then how do you as a Christian person bring in the whole idea, be angry, but in your anger, do not sin? You know, like I think there's I think there's something intrinsically, I don't know about wrong, but confusing about the reality that our cultures matter, our ethnicities matter, like all of those things are important. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you've actually said, I'm laying down who I am and I'm picking up my cross to follow Jesus in a way that is healthy, good, and brings salt and light to the world. Um, so I love that. I love, I love that. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, anybody else? Court? Well, I was just thinking when you were speaking about trying to meld the two in terms of your ethnicity and your and your faith and your beliefs. Uh, like for for myself, um, as as an indigenous person, I've always felt um, that our challenge as indigenous people is that we often have to leave our culture at the door. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, we have to do that because of the ignorance that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, people. Um, see what's in the in, in the media out there and you know we're all tree huggers and and we have all of these beliefs and they watch Pocahontas and you know that's the image they have of us and therefore you know um, it's you know I need to be um, controlled I need to be somebody needs to step in on my behalf and, and in that paternalistic way you know we don't do that here you know without even understanding who I am and what what I am that's the challenge that I think that we have as Indigenous people. And I think there are mixed messages. You're right. If, it, if it's not coming from the leadership, who's it coming from? Mm-hmm. And we know that um, 
education is so powerful. And, and I say that because I'm an educator, but it's what I believed. I believed that, uh, and still believe, that it's going to be an education that's going to change our, our thinking. Mm. And, and I believe it'll be through God that that, that will happen. Um, but it has to come from, from leadership. If we don't confront it, then we're, we're um, condoning it. Mm -hmm. right. that's, that's the other part that gets me. And, and even today, just before I came here, um, there was two things that, that, that happened. One, I'm, I'm looking and I'm, I'm reading uh, an article uh, and you guys probably all heard how Trump um, scattered, had all of those protesters, yeah. those yeah. peaceful protest, protesters scattered with rubber bullets and, mm -hmm. and tear gas mm -hmm. so that he can walk to a church with a Bible in his hand for a photo op. And, you know, that, that ticked me off when it happened. I was so, so angry. But then today, just uh, I'm, I'm reading, and there are evangelical pastors right. who are saying right. he is right. And I'm thinking, how can that be? Mm. How can we send that message mm -hmm. and think that that's okay? Mm -hmm. But, you, but you, said, you said that if you don't, if it doesn't come from leadership and there's nothing said about it or it's never addressed, that it's condoned. Can you, can you explain that a little bit more? Well, if we don't acknowledge it, we're saying it's okay. You know, there's, there's, a, um, there's a quote out there that sort of says, if you don't stand for something, then you're standing against it. Right. And that's, that's how I see it. That, that if we're not addressing these things, if we're not dealing with it in, in a constructive way, and in, in, and in my way, it's um, more than just lip service. It's what actions are we doing? What are we doing to educate ourselves as leaders? You know, you talk about that, that treaty workshop being um, so profound, oh, yeah. so, so effective. That's education. You can't walk away. Um, and, and not, not be changed. When you open your hearts and minds to the stories that are out there, to the experiences that people have had. And you know, we all don't want to experience that pain. We don't want to have to deal with, with those issues. My wife says that all, all the time to me. Why can't we all just get along? Well, <laughs> I want that too. <laughs> but not at my expense. I want everybody to sort of be on the same playing field and not, well, well, I'll just shut up and then we'll all be happy. Yeah. You know, it can't be that way. It has to be that we can provide an understanding and get past the shame, the blame, and the guilt and do it in a, in a meaningful way. But if that's not modeled for us, then people almost feel like they've got a good excuse. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what racism is. Mm -hmm. It's that ignorance. You know, I'm more comfortable with this. And for a lot of people, you know, racism doesn't touch them. They don't experience it, so it's not a part of their life. So they can get on with the business of living, you know, while the rest of us, you know, are in pain and hurt. And they can choose to see it or not see it. They can throw some dollars towards some cause yeah. and walk away, you know, but they don't have to live with it. And, and I think it's important to recognize, too, like, that this isn't... Um one one race is not more righteous than the other right yeah. right like i think sometimes we get into those conversations where because one group of people has experienced so much like well they they're untouchable uh you know and for me one of my experiences uh, i thought for sure once i got out of my hometown uh, of halifax that i would not be called a packy ever again 
Like I, I was like 17, 18 years old. I thought for sure, like this is not gonna happen because I'm going to Ontario because I went to Bible college in Ontario. <laughs> and like, I mean, like there are way more Indians there. There are way more Pakistani guys there. And I remember I went to Bible college having this, um, maybe, maybe naive, it was naive really, like that I, I wouldn't find anything like that there. And you know, I was sitting in a New Testament class as a Bible college student and I remember an African-Canadian student <laughs> said something like, oh, you know, it's going to be, you know, whatever the conversation was. And he said, it's like this packy over here. <laughs> and I just remember it affecting, like, I was enraged. I was enraged. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And for me, it was very, the hardest part was that it was an African-Canadian student saying that. Because my thing was, you should know better. Yeah. You can't call me that. <laughs> Um, and it was difficult and it was hard. And it was that, that moment where I thought like, well, this is really an issue of humanity. This is not like we, we can't hold people up as more righteous because of, there's no righteous race. Like everybody is dealing with this in various ways and it's difficult and it's hard. And even how to navigate is, uh, is something very unique. And that's at a Bible college at the time. And I remember like, not knowing how to process it. And I think that's where a lot of people are. They just don't know how to process the stuff that we are seeing. So I think education is fantastic.